welcome to this week's episode of the Python People podcast with me, Guy Bevington, uh, MD of True North Recruitment Group. And uh, this week, I'm honoured to be joined by uh, Tama Tesh. Uh, so Tama, thank you for uh, joining us today on this very uh, white, wonderful winter wonderland of a, of a, of a Tuesday. Um, how are you? How, how are you getting on? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm good. It's very cold today. Um, but yeah, as you said, uh, I'm good. You know, end of the day, a bit tired, but other than that, I'm pretty good. Good man, good man. We'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll soldier through. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, Tamo, thank you very much for being here with us today. And I guess by way of introduction uh, for those people that are yet to you know have the uh, the pleasure of making your acquaintance, um, you are the the CTO for um, Lucky Trip. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll give you an opportunity to. Uh, tell us a bit about the work you're doing there in a moment but I guess to sort of frame the uh, the episode today and you know why we thought it was a good idea for us to get together and uh, and record this podcast and um, we had a good chat uh, recently and we talked about the kind of challenges and rewards I guess because it's a two-way uh, two, two-sided coin challenges and rewards of uh, of working in a startup environment in a startup company and uh, you know we talked a little bit about why it is that certain startups you know succeed and uh, ultimately why, why certain startups unfortunately fail and um just how kind of pivotal those first few years are I guess, for, for for any business and i think even more so i suppose in the kind of challenging times that we're all finding ourselves in now uh, you know any startup venture i guess it's it's even more poignant now than ever before that they kind of know um you know what to do and and sort of how to to navigate their way through these uh, these turbulent times and um and you yourself clearly have a very impressive uh track record around you know helping uh technology startups um thrive and uh and you know and scale so clearly very qualified to talk about this and uh, and share some perspectives so we thought yeah let's get together let's record a podcast and uh, and pick your brains a bit and uh and thankfully you agreed to do it so that's uh, that's why we're why we're here so um so yeah i guess first and foremost now i'd love to invite you just to to give us a bit of your background and your career bio to date um, and we can we can go from there. Uh, okay, yeah. So I've been doing this for, I think, 10 plus years now. Uh, I would not go all the way back. I think people would get bored. Um, the most interesting years have been the last five years, mainly. But I've been, do- I've been working with startups like for most of my life. I've just always been attracted to startups. Uh, you get to learn a lot. You get to do a lot, um, rather than a bigger company where you might your role might be more defined. So I always was attracted to startups. Um, as you said, I do work as uh, the CTO right now for Lucky Trip, which is a, a, a tech company that focuses around travel. Um, I think in the website, if you go, it will tell you uh, Lucky Trip is an inspirational travel app that gets you uh, a trip within one app. Um, with sorry, within one tap. Um, that is what you know. That is the soundbite. I'm not really good with soundbites. For me, Lucky Trip is much, much more than just you know one tap. Boom, you get a trip. So when you look at travel, um, you think about you know when you traditionally, if you look, if you're trying to travel, even if you use websites or apps, whatever, usually what you get is you you get asked where you want to go, where you want to stay, and what do you want to do. And that by itself is actually a problem. Um, like you don't know what you don't know. You know. There's so many places that I didn't even know existed until I joined Market Trip. 
um, another another issue, especially our generation, maybe even the younger generation, is has this problem more, which is the financial problem. I mean, it's not cheap to travel, mm. and and there's so many amazing places that exist that we just don't know about, right? So Lucky Trip for me is a lot of inspiration, and actually making travel so much easier for people. So instead of asking you, hey, where you want to go, where you want to stay, and what do you want to do, we just tell you mainly how much money you want to spend. And out of that, we try to find uh, really cool places for you to go, stay, and things to do. And then, of course, there's, you can filter things furthermore. You can add where you want to go, specific filters. But the core principle of Lucky Trip is, is that. is like, tell me how much money you can afford, and I'll find you some cool places for you to go. So uh, this is just, yeah, I know. I'm not really good with soundbites again, but for me, this is what Lucky Trip is. Um, and it, and just just a bit more about Lucky Trip before I go to to, to the company, the other another company. Uh, I really enjoy working with Lucky Trip. I mean, you have really um, when it comes to operational excellence for startups. For me, I always put Lucky Trip as a benchmark, even when I left and came back for them. I think Lucky Trip, the way they work, the culture, it is what I believe is, is, is what a successful startup should have. Uh, I'll give you, uh, I know on my, on my LinkedIn, if you go, you will see Tamara, uh, CTO slash co-founder. Uh, but I, I wasn't, I didn't create the idea of Lucky Trip. You know, I, I joined a year after Lucky Trip went live and almost two years after that, uh, speaks to their characters for Tiff and Alex. They came to me and were like, you know, you work really hard and we want you to be a co-founder with us. So it just shows you the kind of culture, the kind of, you know, uh, environment they have created uh, and, and I was lucky to work with them. Um, so as I said, I was, uh, I rejoined Lucky Trip again like a year and a half ago. Uh, before that, I was at Homey, which was also a very inspirational on its, it, it was a prop tech company. Again, it's customer facing originally, and it solved a very interesting problem, especially for people living in London, which is how would I find a house or a home in London? So I don't know if you ever tried to find apartments. When I first moved here, I struggled so much uh, dealing with the real estate agents, properties disappearing really quickly. I personally didn't know where to live in London. So Homey, in essence, was basically like having your own private um, relocation agent, but with like less than 50 pounds. And that includes also being picked up from your home and being shown all these different properties. And it made sense by uh, positioning themselves between the real estate agent and, and the, 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 the renter. And in a way where it made sense. Of course, later on, I mean, I'm gonna, otherwise we're going to spend a little bit cool about these two companies. But later on, it turned out, you know, re new regulations. Um, and after I joined them, we had to rebuild the tech, and do a lot of cool things. But then the business model wasn't wasn't working anymore. So we figured out quickly, okay, a B2B approach would work because all these tools that we created to make um, to make homey work could be actually used to help any other relocation agent do their job. And that's kind of what Homey is doing right now. It's still the 
I mean, the company is still homing the trend, but uh, the, the, the new product is under realpro.ai. Uh, and they're starting to get big clients. And I still work with the homie as a chief technical advisor. Okay. Um, but, you know, we restructured. I stayed with them. They're sorted. But by now, they're doing amazing things. And again, before homie, I was with Lucky Trip. And funny enough, when I was interviewing for Lucky Trip, I was also interviewing for homie. <laughs> so uh, these two companies in my last five, six years have been like, I don't know, like, like two mistresses or something. <laughs> uh, again, both, both have excellent people, uh, amazing products. And when I first joined Lucky Trip again, the story was different. I mean, the challenges I dealt with the last year and a half have been about scale. Uh, tech is solid. When I first joined Lucky Trip, they had been live for a year, but not much traffic. And then Tiff and Alex being Tiff and Alex, they, they somehow managed to get the app. They, they sent someone in, in the Apple store, email site, check out our app. They got featured, and all of a sudden, nothing was working. So they get in traffic, but the, the tech wasn't built to scale. And that's how I got to meet them and figure it out and rebuild things and make things happen. But yeah, so th that, is, that is my last five years. Um, that's cool, yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's enough with the bio. Uh, yeah, not really through. good with bios. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very really interesting insight actually, and I like the um, I like the, the concepts for both of those businesses, and I guess we can talk mm -hmm. about that in a minute about the you know the idea uh, versus the execution. But I mean, in particular, Lucky Trip, I absolutely love the idea of that business. I mean, personally, having kind of been uh, tasked quite a few times to organize you know various trips from kind of you know family weekends away through to stag do's through to you know the university get-togethers just being able to go on like say right this is a budget plan the trip for me that's just like a, a dream service so uh, yeah I can see why that business would uh, I know obviously probably very tricky times in the world for any travel business and I'm sure we'll probably talk about that in a moment but in terms of a uh, an idea of simplifying the process for people. I can see there's huge potential there. So I can see why you got very excited about that particular that particular business model. Um, but um, but no, I mean the idea aside, I guess you know in the world of startups, we all know people that have, have said, "Well, oh, I've got a great idea for a business," and you know they, they think they're sitting on a multi-million dollar pound idea. But we all know, I guess, ideas are relatively cheap to come by, mm -hmm. um, and actually, it's about the execution of the idea, isn't it, that ultimately separates what's a successful company for, from a, an unsuccessful company. So in your kind of um, experience, you know, with, with Homie and, um, and Natalie, uh, like I say, with, with Lucky Trip, what, what do you feel are the most effective ways, um, you know, that you can share how you've managed to make successful technology teams? So, you know, how have you inspired, how have you best managed teams in that kind of startup mm -hmm. environment for, for anybody else that's potentially in this kind of similar boat? So, uh, I mean, management is, is, I mean, of course, it's, it's way more complicated and size is different and every company is different, but there, there, there are like specific things you can do to have at least this, to manage a group of people, basic things you can do right away. I think number one is, is have defined uh, each person's responsibilities. Uh, I find a lot of people that don't know what they're responsible for, what they're supposed to do. So clear definition of responsibility is key. Uh, also giving a framework for, for, for people to achieve their goals and objectives. So, 
and finally you have uh, clear uh, transparent metrics for them to gauge if they have succeeded or failed you know in, in getting their goals done uh, which is it could be constant feedback it could be you know retros it could be code reviews whatever it is when it comes to management uh, I'm sometimes really surprised how people just don't know what am I responsible of am I responsible of this design or not which causes everything to just be slow uh, and then last you need to have a strong layer of support and help where people do not get punished because they don't know something mm. or they, they they don't get punished because or not necessarily punished they might not even know that they are able to approach you and get guidance on how to do something so th these are more like pillars than than actually a structure for a specific company but whenever i think about any team and structuring any team i would consider these things um i've, I've recently worked with a company for example they had team leads and tech leads and they, the team leads and the tech leads didn't even know what the difference between a team lead and a tech lead is. Mm. You know, they're completely different things, right? So the, 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 like the, the, the tech leads were kind of acting more like team leads. I mean, no, you're responsible more of technical aspects of the team. And you, you know, the, the, that, that is the management part. It's always defining people's responsibilities. It amazes me how many times I go to company and that, that part is, is a bit up there in the air. Yeah. Um, now, inspiring is, is more tricky because it's, it's inspiring people is very tricky. So recently, I was talking to this very, very talented founder, and she told me, Tamar, uh, I've been I've been struggling to get my team inspired. Uh, she has a very talented uh, tech team that she acquired recently, and she was like, oh, they're not they don't have my drive. They they you know they're not hungry like me. I'm like, okay, so how are you trying to tackle inspiring them, right? what is it that you're doing to inspire them and she was like well i sat down with them i told them about you know the company struggles and my struggles i told them about my dream and the company dream and da 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 and i was like that's beautiful you know amazing but that's not them you know mm. you are telling them your dreams uh, your struggles when it comes to inspiring people you really need to know the, the persons you're trying to inspire and it's and it's literally a per person kind of thing because Tamer might, I don't know, might be inspired by success, and he might measure success by financial success. Guy might be inspired by also success, but he might measure success by, you know, being the best app in the Apple Store or whatever, right? Everybody has different things they want, and then you need to figure out a way to incorporate their dreams and their goals within your company's goals and dreams, right? And that's how you inspire your people. And on top of that, uh, leading, uh, I know they say lead by example, inspire by example, you know, uh, I, uh, like, uh, you know, there's so many companies and startups that do amazing things and their, their engineers don't even know the amazing things they did. Um, and it's easy to happen even for companies where, where like, cause sometimes it gets really busy. But you could have this engineer who worked really hard and built something really amazing, and there was a lot of success, uh, financial success for the company or whatever, and then they feel they didn't succeed because you didn't feed that back to them. You're assuming that they understood that was a great thing, but for them it might not be. So all these things together. But inspiring is, is, is usually a personal thing because each person is different. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's tricky. That's a good point. That's a good point. And I mean, I think 
the, the point you make there about the um, you know defining responsibility, ensuring that everybody has an understanding of you know what good looks like and metrics by which they're kind of succeeding or failing. I mean, it's it's really interesting actually. I guess that a lot of that is just that's good management, um, irrespective of a startup. It's probably even more more relevant to a startup, I guess, because obviously it's really important very early on that people get traction and hit the ground running and, and can kind of see fruits of their labor coming through. But it's just, it's amazing actually how much of what you said there kind of really resonated with me just in terms of the, of the recruitment world. You know, it's, it's not hugely dissimilar to when I'm looking to, you know, develop somebody in, in sort of um, the recruitment world, it's a similar kind of situation of, you know, they need to understand, okay, well, what are the metrics? What's, what does success look like? And you need to clearly define that for people obviously don't have that, that level of experience uh, so it's uh, I guess a lot of it is you know good good management is, uh, is fundamentally you know knowing how to deal with people and get get the best out of them isn't it but um, but no, I'm yeah. going to get your thoughts on you know when you I guess in a, in a startup culture and a startup environment it's quite it's quite divisive for a lot of people because some people love the idea of being part of a startup and you know it all being a bit going in and you know sort of one day having to do this and next thing having to do do this and sort of touching mm-hmm. off parts of the application you know versus a big kind of behemoth uh, corporate company where everything's a little bit more siloed and everyone plays their kind of smaller part in the in the business and obviously you know it's horses for courses in terms of what people um you know are most uh, interested in but how do you um when you talk about defining responsibility and i guess the early stage of any startup business pe- people in the company may be expected you know to have to drop what they're doing quickly pivot and turn on a a dime and then go and focus on another task and how do you um how do you define responsibility in a situation like that where people might have to get involved you know put their fingers in lots of different pies um, but then also how do you kind of go about turning that chaos into some form of you know sustainable order what's your what's your kind of um opinion on that okay that's a good one because you're right uh, startups are ever-changing um you know, things change all the time so one of the exercises I like to do with, with whenever we decide to do something is decide who's leading something. It doesn't mean that or who's driving it, as actually the word we use, who's driving this. It doesn't mean that person might take all the decisions, but that person is chasing everyone. Because if you and I were working on something, working on 10 things, uh, five of them is yours and five of them are mine, I'm going to try and finish mine more than I'm going to try and finish yours, right? Uh, naturally but you will nag me about anything you need me about and you will come and be like oh Tamar, can you please help me so you're driving your objectives so what what happens a lot of times in startups when things pivot when things change that the lead person gets lost so no longer clear okay we, we i don't know we're redesigning the website for some reason right it's no longer clear who is gonna make sure that this gets through the finish line yeah, there's 10 other things that people are trying to get through the finish line. And, and it's very natural for everybody to pull the rope towards them. You know, clearly it happens. I mean, even if you have a, you know, one objective to everybody's going towards, when you do many projects, that happens often. So uh, always, always have a lead. Like always have a person that's supposed to drive things, not even a lead. I keep saying a lead, I mean a driver, like a person responsible of a project. That is key. Um, but another thing, responsibility also comes from skill sets, you know, uh, for example, uh, I might, I might do QA and might be responsible for a part of QA, but I'm not really great for QA, for example, right? 
if you're better in QA and you have the capacity, clearly you should be the one responsible for that process. I'm really good at queries or code or whatever. I'll be doing this. It comes, what are your skill sets? And in, especially in startup, you could, you will wear different hats all the time, you know? Uh, you know, I did infrastructure, write code, you know, design tables, whatever you have to do, you'll do it. And usually you end up using your skill sets that you're more familiar in. So that, which is uh, what I call trust your experts kind of mentality. Uh, and then, well, this is kind of a bit of a side story, but uh, I was I was in a leadership meeting one time, and there was I don't know six, seven, let's say the most important people in the company sitting for like an hour a week discussing issues, right, or whatever is important. And on my second leadership meeting with them, the the topic of which logo should we use on our umbrellas? There were branding umbrellas for the employees, and they were considering which different logos. And I just, I was like, guys, seriously, like there's six, seven people here. We are the most important people in this company, supposedly. Our inputs are very important. This is not worth everybody's time. I'm pretty sure one or two of us can come up with this decision, mm -hmm. right? And I personally, I, like I'm, I'm not responsible for this. Like I'm not really good with design, you know? But then outside of what you asked, but again, knowing what your skill set is, will define your responsibility. And also, another thing, people example, being um, a CTO or being a teammate as a privilege. I have a title, a title is a cool thing, right? I have never worked as hard as I did now, as I did five, 10 years, uh, seven years ago, before I became a CTO, for example. Mm. Uh, the easiest time I ever had in my life was when I was a junior engineer. Mm. Uh, my responsibility was very limited. Somebody tells me what to do. I do X, Y, Z. That is my responsibility. Um, so, uh, no, I look at a responsibility. It actually defines the structure of a company. Uh, what I call points of responsibility even defines a company and structure. But by knowing everybody who's responsible, naturally you start having, like, uh, give you a very simple example. I know I went all over the place. Yeah, I told you I was tired. But uh, imagine you have a product person, an engineer, a QA, right? If you define that the product person is responsible for the product, uh, the engineer is responsible for building you know, the requirements, and the QA is responsible for testing the requirements. By just doing that definition, you already have a workflow planned out. So your, your workflow is product discusses it with the, the, the engineer, the, and then the engineer builds it, and then the QA tests it, and if there is issues, you return it to the engineer and, and that. Then you come up with the first problem, which is, okay, we need to record our requirements because between the product talking to the engineer and the engineer talking to the QA, something might get lost. So here, you, all of a sudden, you have tickets coming in, you know? So I think responsibility literally defines 80% if you've done right, if you have a finite approach. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the question was anymore, but uh, responsibility is key, I think. It's one of the most important things. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think knowing, like I said, knowing who's driving something, that's that's very mm -hmm. important. And feeling like there's a, I, I, I also agree with you about the, the whole point, you know, the higher, the higher up the tree you go, the harder you've got to work to obviously make sure that everybody does understand their, their role. And I'm a, I'm a massive fan of um, Simon Sinek. You know, and I don't know if you've read the book, Leaders Leaders Eat Last, um, you know, the whole concept yeah. of 
it's about as a leader you know you do have to work harder than everybody else in your team to lead by example but you've got to really make sure that everybody in the team is equipped for success you know as, as best they but you're not setting them up to fail um you know and obviously they're, they're uh, given all the support and the help and everything that they need and i think yeah obviously a large portion of that is actually are they truly fully clear on what it is they need to do and you know if you've got the right people you can give them responsibility and autonomy um, to you know deliver on that fundamentally um so no i think that's a it's, it's a very good point um but i guess the you know w- one of the things i'm always quite interested in again when i have conversations with candidates about you know do they like the idea of joining a smaller startup company or not? As I said, it is quite a divisive thing. It's quite an emotive conversation. It's usually quite charged, um, you know, one way or the other with a lot of people because a lot of candidates, I guess the fear they have potentially of this startup environment is it's, it can be quite, you know, a double-edged sword in terms of quite relaxed and so far as, you know, you can come to work maybe wearing a t-shirt and, you know, and, and all that kind of thing. But, but the other side of the coin is actually they feel quite a lot of pressure, you know, in those early stages, it's about all hands on deck and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause obviously in, inevitably with any business, you know, there's probably a lot of pressure from the, the founders or the people that have started the business to see you yeah. know, a return and see things be successful as quickly as possible. So as a, um, as a leader in technology, how do you manage, um, you know, how do you build that kind of, sustainable balanced culture in a startup between ensuring people are delivering doing the job they need to do but actually it's not just a total kind of you know get your pound of flesh out of people and uh, they feel like just overly pressured and you know overly uh, overly sort of bear down upon you know, how do you maintain that balance good one so first of all i mean i think there is a lot of misconception about startups in general like I know you don't have that, but like I see a lot of time I, I talk to first time candidates that are, that, you know, in their head it's Silicon Valley. <laughs> it, it is either that or in their head it's, it's, I don't know, it's the opposite. It's like all stress, people on fire jumping through the windows. I mean, I don't think neither represents startups correctly. You know, it all, also depends what you do, but. I would want to have a culture the key word would be successful startup culture. So what does make it, like anything could be a culture, right? Our culture could be wearing red when we go to the office or whatever, or uh, not having any structure or having way too many meetings. Whatever the culture is that we want to adopt or, you know, doesn't matter. For me, the key word would be successful. And that will lead back, yes, so it's true. Startups in general are are stressful. I mean, there isn't, it is kind of the risk reward thing you fall into that every every startup has, which is I work harder and I might achieve more. So there is a bit more stress, but any good uh, leader manager um, has to have to carry that stress on themselves. It's not like uh, one of the rules I, I have is I never let anybody stay later than me. staying late I'm staying with you nothing to do it's just something hot wired in my head because I did have these managers that would leave and I would work until 2 a.m. and it doesn't feel nice right so there is that aspect of 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 being you know empathetic to these things and and they will happen but you need to manage and not be okay with it like for me if a sprint happens and people did work over time I don't feel good about it I go back and I try to address it. I go like, okay, how can we do things better? Does it mean we need to get more people in? Does it mean we need to uh, 
uh, I don't know, figure out, are we asking too much? You know, because I know my guys are really good and they know what they're doing, you know. There could be other issues as well why this happened. But so, so that is the, the side where you're trying not to make everybody's life hell. Uh, back to a successful startup culture. If you imagine a startup being a ship, right, and we need to go to a certain destination, successful startup culture is everybody on board to, meet, to drive the ship to the same destination, right? Whatever that, that culture might be. It's, it's, again, it might be, your culture might be let's all wear red and whatever. Uh, but all the company having a common goal, knowing why they're doing this, and on top of it, you as a founder, as a leader in the company, you need to protect those people. It's crazy how much stress there is. I remember when we were doing the EasyJet uh, project, we had just lost our IS engineer. We hired this junior guy, very talented. He's been uh, with the company until today. Amazing guy. Um, but back then, I mean, for him, it was such a big project. Every day, he will come to me and he'll be like, man, we're not, we can't finish this. Like, There's no way we can't finish this. He'll be like, look, forget everything. Today, what are you going to do? One, two, three things. Just do these three things. Don't worry about the big picture. That's not your problem. And guess what? We did it. And we was an amazing and was one of the biggest uh, projects, and he was he was a junior engineer, you know. So this is your responsibility to make sure they don't get in that situation. Is there going to be a crazy day where we need to stay late, two or three a.m.? Fine, but if that happens, look how you can prevent it for next time. Mm -hmm. So there, there's even good people. The stress actually makes you not perform well, you know. Uh, if you yeah, if you're working late every day, uh, I wrote code most of my life. Like I know you can't do AMs for more than a couple of days a week before you start crashing. So yeah. It, yeah. I don't think it's okay. Yes, altogether startups are a bit more stressful, but good leaders will protect you and make it a good investment. Yeah, uh, for your yeah. time. I think that's a really, really apt point, you know, and again, sort of bringing parallels between the tech world and the, and the recruitment world. I mean, I've worked in environments in the past where it's, um, it's almost expected, you know, of you that you, you're in by 7.30 and you're, you know, you're not out of the office before 7.30 in the evening. And I think that if, if, if you're expecting that's what people, what your employees should be doing day in, day out, then, we're doing something wrong you know that there is something fundamentally, some fundamentally going wrong in, in the business model how we're doing the job because it isn't sustainable and you know i'm yet to find a business where people do work those hours on an ongoing mm -hmm. basis and it's actually sustainable and like you said of course everybody's kind of happy to to do it once in a while you know um you know, and sort of pull together for the common goal absolutely but in those cultures where it's kind of an expectation of employees that you know, if they're not prepared to do those hours, then they're lazy or whatever. It's just, I totally fundamentally disagree with that. And, um, you know, I think that startup companies... Um, There's something, I mean... Sorry, you were saying... Uh, on, go. Oh, the, 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 there is, as you said, there is clearly something wrong. I mean, back to the same uh, call in the hero of EasyJet. Uh, when I first came back to Lucky Trip, I mean, they were scaling up, you know, um, you know, they're, they're needed work. He was actually working so many more hours and achieving so less from the point of view of a product to a point where it was depressing him. 
uh, we put this new, you know, um, system where we introduce better instructions. And now, I mean, maybe once a week he would stay an extra hour compared to being late every day. And if you look at his achievements, they're much more. So clearly, it wasn't lack of effort on his end. Mm. And when we broke it down, it was like he was working on things that, you know, they, they, they were not the value because things were not communicated correctly to him. Uh, things were not structured. Mm. Uh, I also see like engineers struggle, for example, with technical debt. How would I ever tackle technical debt? Um, that is a big thing about it, with technical debt, especially with, with startups uh, past two years old. Because they create a lot of technical debt early on, and then they have to deal with it later on. Yeah. So all these things, a lot of times, yeah, if your people are staying late a lot, there's something wrong, and it, it's not sustainable either. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it might be for a short period of time, but eventually those people will just leave, and then you've got to go and hire them again, and it's that's not a sustainable culture. So no. I totally agree. Um, I guess from your your experience having. Having kind of you know gone into um, multiple companies and seen uh, you know startup companies taking them from kind of the, the seedling idea through to you know really strong um, technology team, do you feel there are any kind of common mistakes that you've seen um, that kind of oversit you know the, the startup companies out there that? That do unfortunately, you know, don't succeed. You know, what are the kind of the biggest mistakes that a lot of companies make in their their first few years of business? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, funny enough, uh, I know you sent me the, the kind of general ideas. I just remembered I wrote a document like this to to, to someone a year ago. <laughs> it's yeah, I've seen so many, um, so many, and then usually they're very common. So first of all. One thing I find apps don't have, and it's, they, they don't have an early smoke alarm system, you know? It drives me insane, and for me, not, not in a bad way, but like sometimes I go crazy, and I'm like, like, clearly, for example, your engineering team is not doing well. Like, how do you know that? Well, you have a huge number of bugs being reported all the time. You have engineers failing their deadlines again and again and again. Like, these are signs of things I'm not working on. So, and then the excuse is, well, we don't, I don't understand tech, which is fine, but I don't think that is tech. Again, if you go back to giving people, you know, the tools they need and then holding them accountable to, to, to achieving something, it's very easy to figure out if things are going well or not. So a lot of startups don't have an early, let's say, alarm system. Like something is not going well. Um, another, another very common thing that kind of surprises me uh, bad hires. I mean, just because somebody has a great CV, might have managed 50 people, are a good hacker CTO, right? So I played both roles of being a hacker CTO, like push a lot of code, and then becoming more of a manager CTO. Uh, so now I have experience in both fields. Uh, but if I was managing 50 people for three, four years, don't think I'm going to be great in writing code, maybe. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be even something I would want to do that, that passionately, probably. I don't know. But like, I see a lot of bad hires, not because the, the hires themselves are bad, it's just, they're just bad fit. Yeah. Like there's no understanding that like CVs are, are deeper than just, oh, look at him, he had Google experience or whatever, you know? There's, there's more, I mean, you know that because you work in recruitment, but there's a deeper level than that. And on the opposite side, there is also, I've seen a lot of that where they don't, like they get bad experts in or they don't trust their experts. 
like you hired this amazing CTO, CFO, whatever, you know, you are the founder, you should trust that person. Or a more common one, they hire amazing designers, and then they go like, oh, why not use orange? Why not use red? You know, they just, you know, to be funny. And it, it, it doesn't get to good results. So uh, the founders I see to succeed usually trust their experts. Uh, another thing is extremes. Any, com any startup that has extremes, uh, falls into problems. Extremes, they either too structured or no either do too many changes or do no changes at all, you know? Uh, if you, again, in a ship and you keep changing your course all the time, you just, you know, you just lost in the sea. And if you don't change your course enough, you're not going where you want to go either. So, uh, I mean, I work with companies that, that would restructure the tech team twice a month or whatever, you know? Also doesn't work. So extremes are also a sign of a uh, startup not doing well. Oh my God, there's so many. Um, uh, again, uh, ah, another one that kind of I don't love is the, 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 this reading of articles. Because you could read any topic in the world. Let's go Scrum. I believe in Scrum. Of course, I believe in Scrum in situations. Other situations, I think it's not a good fit. And I also in, in adjusting your Scrum depending on the team. And what what the company is doing, right? Not any like no teams, no two teams are the same. But then I encounter people that just read something, and then there's this written bible. No, no, we can't change this because this is how this article saying needs to be done. But the person who wrote this article is 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 not the you know you know he himself is telling you every team should you know do whatever works with them. Uh, another one like story points. I was having this long argument with this person, and the story points didn't make sense. And they didn't even know, for example, that the person who invented story points, I saw this, I forgot his name, he started by basing them on actual time. His problem was a bit different, which was business doesn't understand that one day of work, if I tell, hey, I'm going to finish this in two days of work, they didn't understand that meant. days of work without without disturbance without you know so what he did is basically he was like okay in a week I have two maybe three optimal days of work so we will say those are three story points and he said you could pull them anything I mean this is from the guy who kind of started this whole story pointing I'll try and find you any very interesting article and, and video with this guy and he didn't even know understand that because for him he just read something and for him story points meant complexity in number of people and it just didn't fit what he was trying to do with his company. Mm. And you wouldn't, I mean, he even didn't know when things will be done, you know? Uh, it's back to the basics. Like, if you do Scrum, what is the goal after, uh, behind you using Scrum? Is it for you to, to be able to see when things are going to be done and see where problems exist and see how we're going to make things better on a retro? We go over the process, we discuss it, we figure it out. Perfect. Use Scrum. Is you go well? I read Scrum, and um, I don't know why exactly, but I'm gonna implement it. And um, you know, it's, I find it strange. Like our goal should be to the end goal should be our objective is to to get things done right. Mm. Uh, you know, I, and I, I go. I'm going a bit in a rant, but I I've seen this so many times. Uh, and then I get I come into a business, and usually I, I also advise small startups, and I, you don't, as an advisor, you just say what you have, and people either take it or not. 
something. You try because I get really passionate about things. I might actually fight my point a bit more than I should. But at some point, you just give up. And a lot of times, it's like, well, and then they start sending you links to articles. But that article talks about a company that has 30 employees, and they work in a completely different time, in a completely different industry. You have three engineers. Uh, you are a founder and the product lead. It's a completely different thing. You know, you know, understand the core ideas and the principles. Don't say this team did it that way. I want to do it this way. That, that that's kind of always driving me crazy. Again, it's that Silicon Valley uh, idea. Mm. And I digress. I went, <laughs> but yeah, that 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 I've seen a lot of. I guess that that kind of helps you, you know, in in your in your role because you've seen you know so many environments and you've seen so many different ways that people, you know, get it right but also get it wrong as well. I guess that kind of um, that breadth of experience certainly helps you. Be a more trusted advisor, absolutely. Um, but uh, but no, I think it's yeah, very. It's a really fascinating subject, and I think you know the the world of startups. I guess now you know going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, I think it is a lot more poignant uh, for companies now. You know, we're not obviously in a fair weather market. You know, with all the uncertainty that's kind of hanging around, and I think uh, any kind of business which is thinking about starting a you know brand new venture now, they need to be pretty sure that what they're doing is a sensible thing they need to have the right team and the right way of executing it because obviously uh you know the the market is uh still quite choppy i guess for potential investment um but i mean how do you how do you see the, the landscape in the in the kind of the wider you know the technology ecosystem for startup companies at the moment how how are you feeling about the market in general and uh you know how how startups are uh, are, are set for for future uh i mean I know COVID has have thrown everything a mess, uh, but I think it, it, again it changes depending on which industry you're in. So if you're in, in for example, entertainment, or you know, you're in a good time right now because people are you know staying at home more, consuming way more uh, entertainment media and such. Of course, if you're in, like in travel, uh, like lucky trip, it, it's rough. It's hard. Uh, companies that reacted quickly um, and decisively um, will survive and will thrive because of it. Uh, I think, for example, Lucky Trip, we, we, we had a plan to deal with COVID if it's like two years from like a week and a half since we kind of knew this is where we're heading early, early on. Uh, we reacted very quickly, you know, saved cost savings, restructured things. Uh, we planned not to lose any of our employees. Like, uh, that was very important to us. Uh, and here we are, now, right now our focus is to use this time, prepare a product for one tra once travel open again, people will be rushing to our gates trying to travel everywhere. So that was our mentality. I think that's how startups should look at. Investment, you know, if you have a new idea, you might not even be able, like if you have now a travel up, up I doubt you're going to be getting any investment right now. It depends on how cool your idea is. But other industries have actually thrived. You know, other companies have done really well, and and, and the COVID has uh, situation has helped them. COVID is just is just think this is just exactly what startups are. It could have been COVID. It could have been a million other things. Mm. Uh, it could be something that affects all companies in the world, like like COVID. It could be something that affects your company specifically. Uh, challenges happen. They come up, and you have to react as, as fast as possible. Um, this is kind of where I see things. Um, 
I don't, I mean, it's just a side quest kind of thing. Like, I, I, now I'm wondering what's going to happen with all the office London. Uh, I'm thinking at least a percentage of companies, for example, are not going to, they will be like, well, this has been working fine. We're saving a lot of money. I don't want an office in London anymore. So that might open a new opportunity. Things will change. Um, I think the way we, we, we prepare for the worst is the most important. How, is it, how it affects every company by itself. I mean, Lucky Chip, of course, wasn't good for us. Uh, we would have preferred that it didn't happen. But we looked at it as also an opportunity to improve our product, prepare ourselves when things go back to normal. Yeah. Again, excellent team. And here we are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's it. You've got to look at any any change. You know, it's the whole one. It's very philosophical, but it is very true. Any kind of change in a market obviously can be seen as a, as a very scary thing, but also or does always any kind of change in market conditions does always present a huge amount of opportunity. And um, I guess it's those businesses that are able to, I mean, obviously, like there's certain, um, certain industries like travel and events and hospitality, which clearly, you know, have been adversely affected but um those businesses mm-hmm. that have been able to pivot and um you know sort of um change on a you know, attack slightly to to ride out the storm i think they're the ones that are um are going to go on fingers crossed you know see it through so uh so no well uh yeah. was absolutely um fantastic talking to you tam i very much appreciated your time and uh you know clearly huge amount of experience and um, wealth of knowledge to share on the subjects and we could probably talk about it for another three hours i guess but maybe that can be the next episode that we uh, we, we tune back into um but no thank you thanks for being here with us today and thanks for sharing some really interesting insights and uh yeah look forward to uh i'm certainly going to be booking my next trip through uh, lucky trip so i'll let you know how my experience uh, goes when i'm able to and uh yeah look forward to keeping in touch uh, for the future so thanks again and uh, best of luck with it all Thank you. I, mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, sorry I wasn't as put together as usually I like to be. But again, uh, it was an amazing chat. Yeah, great to speak to you. Great to speak to you. Take care. Bye for now.